there's no greater feeling. This is such a special honor, and I think it's one of the greatest honors that, of my life, definitely up until this point, to be able to lead this team. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I don't mean to alarm you. I don't mean to put extra stress on your plate or overwhelm you. I, I just want to give you a warning. want to give you a heads up. There's no time for messing around tonight. None. We have a lot to get to. Okay, and I, I, I won't put up with any uh, any BS, any wasted time, none of that. Okay, we have a lot, a lot to get to. Some unexpected Packers news today. Tremont Williams is back. We heard about that a little bit last night, but that became official kind of after last night's show and then uh, more locked in earlier today and throughout the afternoon. And then we learned this morning that Ted Thompson passed away as well. So we have to talk about that. On top of everything else we're going to talk about, Need to talk about Tremont Williams and Ted Thompson, of all people. So it kind of feels like it's 2010 again, which means we might have to play some Black Eyed Peas or early Jason Derulo. Who else is really kicking in 2010? We'll, we'll, we'll go for an old school sound today. I'll look up some, some top 40 charts from 2010. Certainly a blast from the past today. Some sad news about the passing of Ted Thompson, who is only 68 and one of the best Packers one of the best Packers undrafted players, one of the best corners, one of the best Packers that I've watched in my lifetime. That's Tremont Williams, who was so tremendous in that Super Bowl run in 2010-2011. He's back on the team. So we have uh, we have some throwback stories to talk about today on top of everything else going on. So no time for messing around. No time for BS. All right, strap in. Let, let's let's get started. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I have... um. <clears throat> A little bit of something in my throat today. <clears throat> Not COVID. It's probably just normal sickness, regular people sickness. So if I have to stop to take a breath <clears throat> or a drink of water, <clears throat> that's why. A little bit of a sore throat today. But other than that, I am doing great. Of course, uh, sad news about Ted Thompson aside, I'm very excited for Bucks lakers tonight. That's going to be a great matchup. The Bucks have another chance to play a great opponent after losing to a great opponent on Monday night, Brooklyn, just by a bucket. And I'm not overstating that loss at all. That was a great game. They have another opportunity to play a great game and a great team tonight, the Los Angeles Lakers. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Continue to preview the NFC Championship game as well. And our good friend, frequent contributor, uh, and Packers know-it-all, Perry Goldstein from Cheesehead TV, Packer Report, and Game on Wisconsin. She'll join us coming up at 4.30. So we have a lot to get to. I'll also take your thoughts as well. Text me, 608-796-2558. And you can also tweet at me, at Wisco Grant, as Perry has already done. She's excited for 4.30, and I'm uh, excited for the show as well. So Wisco Grant is where you can tweet at me. Text the show, 608-796-2558. As I said, I do want to talk about the Bucks today, a, a tiny bit about the Badgers. They played last night. We're not going to dwell on them, but we might touch them for a moment. Uh, and a lot about the Packers and the Buccaneers, too. But sometimes uh, news breaks, something comes up, and you kind of need to drop everything to talk about it. Uh, and I'm not talking about Tremont Williams signing. That's great. And we're certainly going to talk about that later on in the show. Uh, but that story, the, the signing of uh, Tremont Williams off of you know Baltimore's practice squad or to, to the Packers practice squad, that's, that's not something I would completely throw a show out of whack for. Right? Like a couple of weeks ago, Giannis signed his Supermax. In that instance, you throw everything out the window and you talk about that. You talk about Giannis and his contract extension. 
Ted Thompson passed away last night. It was reported, I believe, first today by Tom Silverstein. I think is who had it first. But the news didn't break, and it didn't become public knowledge until today. He passed away last night at only age 68. It was very sad. Caught me off guard today. I didn't expect to be thinking about Ted Thompson, and his health wasn't great down the stretch. Uh, He's obviously very private, and it's not like we've heard a lot about Ted Thompson, but the limited uh, little tidbits and details that we've had heard over the last couple of years is, you know, he was in poor health, and he was suffering from from certain ailments, more than one, and, and it was definitely slowing him down. And, you know, to pass away at only age 68, that's a bummer, especially for a figure and a person who we spent so much time talking about and discussing for years when he was the GM of the Packers from... Was it 2005 to 2017, I believe? That was his window uh, where he was in charge of the Packers. And then he stepped back into an advisory role and and had less on his plate. He was a scout through and through and through. So even when he stepped away from the general manager position, he was around the team. and, and, And that was his thing. He liked scouting and he liked looking at players. And I, I read a story earlier today. One of Ted Thompson's first assignments early on when Ron Wolf got to Green Bay and he was working under Ron Wolf. Ted Thompson's assignment was to sit in a dark room and watch film of Brett Favre. And Ron Wolf came back and said, well, what do you think, Ted? I'm, I'm thinking of trading a one for this guy. Ted says, yeah, I think you should do it. And they did. And obviously Ron Wolf had a great career as the Packers general manager. They, they made multiple Super Bowls. They won one in 97. And then Ted Thompson took over, selects Aaron Rodgers, and they win their own Super Bowl in 2010-2011. Brian Gutekinst is now trying to, to do what Ron Wolf did and what Ted Thompson did, and he's trying to keep it going maybe with a Super Bowl this year. Wouldn't that be poetic? And that would start with a win this weekend. A lot of great Packers have passed this year. Kevin Green, who is a great coach, he didn't play for the Packers, but he was a big part of their Super Bowl run in 2010. Paul Hornig, uh, Davis, Adderley, now Ted Thompson. I weirdly think this might give more wind to the Packers' sales this weekend. Sports are unexplainable sometimes, and sometimes motivation uh, and strength and and success can can come from unexplainable places. It's not always about the 3-4 defense and blocking the A-gap and winning up front and setting the tone in the trenches. There, There's a personal side to this, too. Sports are played by people, and people aren't always easily explained, at least not on spreadsheets and not in box scores. You can look at social sciences and communication sciences, and we can understand how people work and how they operate and what motivates them and what doesn't. But not the way that, say, pro football focus breaks down football statistics. Not where you can go like Amazon uh, Amazon advanced stats or whatever they're called. Like, There's no measurement for personal motivation. And I, I weirdly think that this emotional year with lots of great Packers who have passed away, this might give more wind to the Packers sales this weekend. Now, for a few minutes, I don't want to talk about this weekend's game. I want to talk about Ted Thompson. Because I I don't want to make Ted Thompson's death a campaign to now go and win a game. And I'm sure the players are are going to do that to some extent. But, you know, you want to respect the guy who just passed away um, and appreciate him and and pay respects. I have never worked in the press, so to speak. I guess I work in media in some sense. I create content. I broadcast that content. And I connect with you. And we talk on the text line and on Twitter And I post videos occasionally on social media and and we go back and forth about our favorite teams and all the games that we watch. But I've never worked in the press. I've never been at press conferences. Uh, I've never been to the NFL Combine. I've never been to the Super Bowl Radio Row. I have no interest in doing that. That sounds like a nightmare. I could never work in the press. 
where I have to track down people and record their voice and ask them questions and poke and prod. I, I can't do it. But I've interviewed plenty of reporters through this show, people who have inside access and really regular access to a sports team or to a certain player or a certain coach. And that's why we have insiders on the show. People like Aaron Nagler of Said TV or Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette or Rob Reichel who covers the Packers for Forbes, right? If you're talking about the Packers beat. In the case of the Bucks, right? Justin Garcia who works for the Bucks Radio Network or Eric Name who covers the Bucks for The Athletic. These are people who work really hard maintaining personal relationships, spending time with these players, with these coaches and, and with members of these organizations and sports teams to have these connections and, and, and have these experiences. And lots of these people who I have interviewed and connected with because of the show have met Ted Thompson and spent time around him personally. And there is not a single one, not a single person who was ever around Ted or spent time around Ted or talked to Ted that has anything but glowing things to say about Ted Thompson, the former Packers GM. It's always about his character, his kindness, his work ethic, his integrity, right? Doing the job the way he thinks it should be done and not letting fans or outside noise or media influence his job and the way he believes he should do it. It was It's personal stuff. If you ask a member of the Packers beat about Ted Thompson, you say, well, he, he never signed free agents. Did he really go all in to help this team win? And reporter might give you an answer and say, well, you know, they signed this player and this player. But then the conversation would always turn. The conversation always turns to something personal about Ted and his character. And how he's kind and considerate. And he sticks to his guns. And he does his job with integrity. That's that. That's what the conversation always became. And I remember when Ted Thompson stepped down. And this was, I think in 2017. I didn't pull up the date, so I'm a little embarrassed. Maybe it's 2016. Eh, it's not 2016. I think it's 2017. Ted Thompson steps down. And I remember at the time, I had Aaron Nagler on my show, who at the time was at PackersNews.com. And now he is at Cheesehead TV, which is the the entity that he originally founded. I'm not exactly sure what to call Cheesehead TV, right? Just a big Packers hub, big Packers platform, right? And I remember a couple of years ago when I had Aaron Nagler on, I asked him about the combine because it was combine time and Ted had just stepped down, you know, in, in somewhat recent memory. And I asked him, cause I'm like, Aaron, I've, I've never met Ted Thompson before. And it's easy for Packers fans to rip on him, to complain about him because to an outsider, it maybe seemed like Ted wasn't doing everything in his power to build a contender. And I still think that's true to some extent. Like, Ted Thompson has passed, rest in peace, and we have nothing but nice things to say about him. But I, I think it's sometimes in his tenure, even looking back now, he's like, well, could you have just gone and gotten one guy? Could you just sign this one guy to help Aaron Rodgers or get this one guy to help out the defense? Just just one, right? We're not asking for a flurry of free agency moves. We simply, I think at the time, wanted Ted Thompson to utilize every tool in his toolbox. That includes the draft and free agency and an occasional trade. And Packers fans were always left wanting more because it seemed like Ted would, would make a good draft pick here and there. As I'm talking about as the years went on. When he first took over, he was just, he was striking gold, especially from that Super Bowl era when they had all those great wide receivers to then the early 2010s. The 2014 draft was an absolute, or 2013 draft was an absolute smoke show. He could draft like nobody else, and that came from his scouting background. But sometimes he wouldn't want to sign free agents. He wouldn't want to do this or that. And I remember asking Aaron Nagler about this on my podcast, and full stop, it became a conversation about how Ted is an amazing human being. 
and he treats everyone the right way, and he does the job the right way, and he believes that a team is best built through the draft, developing players, retaining players, and because he believed that, that's the way he did his job. And no one was going to tell him otherwise because he believed in himself, and he put a team around him, and that's the that's the MO they followed. And that's the process that netted them Aaron Rodgers. That's obviously Ted's most well-known pick, which was met with major pushback. You talk about sticking to your guns. He was tested very early, and he was patient with fans. Right, And this is why I always shake my head when folks say that the Packers lucked into back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. It's like, well, they got lucky going from Favre to Rodgers. Luck? Okay, sure. The Packers were fortunate that Aaron Rodgers happened to fall to them at 24, pick number 24. But don't act like that was an easy selection to make. And don't act like Ted Thompson didn't face major criticism. Yeah, Hell, the Packers took Jordan Love this year at what? Pick number 26. They traded up with Aaron Rodgers. And Brian Gutekinds felt fire and fury. It was even worse in 2005 when they took Aaron Rodgers. It was even worse. And that's why it bothers me to say, well, the Packers lucked into quarterbacks to some extent. No, Ted Thompson had to stick his neck out and and do what he believed to be the right thing, which was take the best player available, which was certainly Aaron Rodgers, which, by the way, do we need to go back and look at that draft to prove that he was correct? Do we need to go back and look who went 1 through 23? Cornerbacks and wide receivers and defensive line. Do we need to, do we need to go back and look? I don't think so. And if not for that pick, if not for that gutsy selection of Aaron Rodgers, I don't... I don't know where the Packers would be right now. It's really tough to say. Maybe they would have found another quarterback, or maybe they would be wandering in the wilderness, just going 4-12 and like the Detroit Lions, taking a cornerback and never getting any better. It's tough to say. And it's not all about Aaron Rodgers. Like, Ted knew how to draft, and it wasn't just quarterbacks. It wasn't just, you know, finding undrafted free agents like Tremont Williams, which he was very good at as well. He drafted 19 players who went on to make a Pro Bowl in his time with the Packers. Can you name them? Can you name them? We already talked about Aaron Rodgers, but Nick Collins, Brady Papinga, A.J. Hawk, Greg Jennings, James Jones, Mason Crosby, Jordy Nelson, Josh Sitton, Jermichael Finley, Clay Matthews, T.J. Lang, B.J. Raji, Brian Bulaga, Morgan Burnett, Cobb, Lawrence Guy, Casey Hayward, Mike Daniels, my guy, David Bakhtiari, Eddie Lacy, J.C. Treader, Micah Hyde, Clinton Dix, Devontae Adams, Corey Lindsley, Kenny Clark, Blake Martinez, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones. All players that Ted Thompson drafted. And you know what blows me away about that list? Other than the length. It blows me away that 99% of those guys were developed and retained and, and stayed in Green Bay. It wasn't just draft. It was draft and develop. And other than Lawrence Guy and Casey Hayward and... Is there anyone I'm missing? I mean, Blake Martinez, but Blake played here for a while. Like, he wasn't developing players and then losing him. He stuck to his guns with drafting and developed. And all of those great players spent the, the peak of their career, most of those players, spent the peak of their career in Green Bay. Draft and develop and retain. And we've talked so much about Brian Gutekinds and his picks and his free agency ads. You know, the Smith brothers and Billy Turner and Mercedes Lewis, but... Ted's fingerprints are all over this team, and it's something that I really didn't even realize until today. I didn't even really think about it because we've been in Brian Gutekunst mode. Angry about the draft, and angry about the trade deadline. And there are so many players on this team who are contributing in a huge way, and it was more players than I immediately thought of. There's four all pros, Rodgers, Adams, Bakhtiari, and Lindsley. Okay, so quarterback, wide receiver, left tackle, pretty important positions to find premium players. Ted Thompson did that. Kenny Clark, 
Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, Kevin King, Mason Crosby, whose value cannot be understated. Ted has a lasting impact on this team to this weekend's game. I don't know, Bakhtiari isn't going to be playing, but a lot of these players are, and they're going to decide who wins and who loses and whether or not the Packers can get back to the Super Bowl for the first time in a decade. I saw a lot of tweets today. I saw a lot of posts about winning it for Ted, and you got to win win one for Ted. I, 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 I don't love that. It was the same with Kobe Bryant when he passed, when everything was made about 24 and number eight, and it's just like, hey, like let him rest. Passed away, rest in peace. But if this impassions the team and they're motivated and they feel emboldened by this, great. On this show, we're just going to appreciate, pay respects, and realize how good Ted Thompson was for this Packers team for a long time. Let's take a break. I want to talk a little bit about the Bucks, and then we'll get back into the Packers and speak with our friend Perry Goldstein coming up at 435. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up. Wisco Sports Show, rolling on. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you for being here. A lot to look forward to. I feel like this week is finally picking up some momentum. Bucks Lakers tonight, which is going to be excellent. NFC Championship game just a couple of days away. And Bills Chiefs is going to be awesome, too. I don't just want to be excited about Packers. Uh, I almost said Packers Patriots. Packers Bucks, because Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady is pretty much impossible to beat. But the Sunday night game, the, the AFC game, is going to be awesome, too. So I, I finally feel like this week has some momentum. Feels like we've kind of been stuck in the mud. Now we finally have some speed. Uh, Perry Goldstein, Cheesehead TV, Packer Report, Game on Wisconsin, going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes. Uh, a couple of very specific things like the passing of Ted Thompson, the signing of Tremont Williams. We'll certainly get into that. But we will also talk about the Buccaneers and not necessarily predictions because I find predictions to be rather lame. But we will talk about our gut feeling, things that we're excited about, things that we're concerned about, all that coming up this weekend in the NFC title game. I want to take a break from football just for seven minutes, if you will humor me, uh, please and thank you. I want to talk about the Bucks. The Bucks have had a heck of a week, right? They lost to the Nets on Monday night, 125-123, just a, a bucket difference. That's it. James Harden and Kevin Durant, that was the matchup on Monday night. Now tonight, it's the Lakers, LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I'm excited for tonight. And I'm really still not that upset that the Bucks lost on Monday to the Nets by one bucket. And not to tell you how to live your life, but you shouldn't be upset about it either. These teams have played 15-ish games. January just started. Got a long way to go in this season. Don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. Get over it. Turn the page. There's another game every couple of days, and they have a really great chance to play a great team, the Lakers, tonight and bounce back if they want to. Or if they get beat, okay, Lakers are really good too. You know, you continue to get better and learn and work some of these new players into the fold, like Torrey Craig or Bobby Portis or Drew Holiday. We're getting to the point where these players are hopefully feeling comfortable, but you always still tweak and you want to adjust as the season goes along. So the Bucs have an opportunity to bounce back tonight. I want to talk about the Bucs via the Nets. Because the Nets beat the Bucs on Monday. And I... It's it's funny. The Nets lost last night. Uh, it's probably not a game that you watched unless you have NBA League Pass because it wasn't nationally televised. The Nets lost last night to the Cavs. The Cleveland Cavs. Yes, those Cavs. Kevin Sexton and Darius Garland and Kevin Porter Jr., who they're going to get rid of, probably did something like J.R. Smith did and threw a bowl of soup across the locker room. Like, the Cavs are not good. The Cavs are the NBA's 
second worst offense in points per game. And I think before yesterday, they were worst. They were the number one worst team because they scored in two overtimes last night, 147 points. So I think that bumped their average right up above the Knicks. They're scoring 102 points per game. That's bad. And the Nets gave up 147, albeit in two overtimes. Okay. The funny thing is, no one really made a big deal about this today. Typically, when a garbage team beats a championship contender, especially a super team championship contender, like if LeBron's Miami Heat were to lose to the terrible Bucks at the time, that's noteworthy. When the Warriors lost to the terrible Bucks at the time, that was noteworthy. Remember that? When they killed the streak to begin the year? When Golden State would lose to bad teams, or uh, when the Lakers now lose to bad teams, or the Brooklyn Nets who haven't necessarily put a target on their back, but we certainly view a team like Brooklyn with more scrutiny because they they kind of just they kind of threw this team together. Or right? it's a super team. And if you draft and develop great players, okay, we respect teams like that. I I don't know if we all respect and love the Brooklyn Nets because they have three hired guns, two free agents that just signed on, and James Harden who wanted to be traded there so badly, he appeared to put on weight. The Nets lost last night to the Cavs, which would normally be a huge deal. But it wasn't. And I think it's the national TV effect. We talked about this after Green Bay beat the Titans. When the Packers beat Tennessee. Rodgers' MVP case was made after that night. It was made in the snow on national TV. And I said it the next day. I was like, there there you go. That's your MVP. Because it was nationally televised. We were all watching. It was Sunday Night Football. So it was the last game of the day. Last, last impression that we have after a long Sunday of football. It was at Lambeau, which is an iconic location, at least in comparison to Nissan Stadium in Nashville. It was in the snow. It was under the lights. And we all fell forward. Aaron Rodgers was tremendous in the snow. That He's the MVP. It's over. It's done. I remember this very well. National TV is a very important factor in how we watch and how we react to games and performances. Like Colin Sexton went off for, what, 42 points last night? Nobody's really talking about it. If Anthony Davis goes off for 40 against the Bucks tonight, it's going to lead first take on ESPN tomorrow. Absolutely. If a player goes off on national TV, it's a big deal. If not on national TV, if it's on League Pass or it's buried on NBA TV, it's eh, it's not that big of a deal. Right? NBA fans, not the casuals, you know, will appreciate it see on social media and, and maybe you'll tune into a game like that on League Pass, but otherwise it, it goes relatively unnoticed. And the national TV effect is really, really obvious when you just look at the Nets this week. The Nets beat the Bucks on Monday, and it was on ESPN. And the next day, Bucks fans freaking out. NBA fandom is freaking out. I I don't know if I don't know if anyone's beating Brooklyn in the East. I I think Brooklyn has their sights set on the Lakers. They're not worried about the Bucks or the Heat or the Celtics or the Sixers. I yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think anyone's going to beat Brooklyn. I think they're coming out of the East. That's what people were saying on Tuesday morning. The Nets lost to Cleveland. Cleveland, the Cavs, they're terrible. I don't even know who their coach is off the top of my head. I'm a little embarrassed, but I'll admit, I have, I, I don't know. They let Colin Sexton cook for 20 in overtime. He scored 20 straight points for the Cavs, but the game was on league pass. So what was the reaction today? Well, that's interesting. Hmm. And we don't think about it anymore. This is why I've tried to take a more even-keeled approach with the Badgers and the Bucks, especially when they lose, because these are long seasons, and we can fall into this trap of thinking one game is the end-all, be-all, simply because it was on ESPN on Monday night, or because it was 
on CBS. You know, college basketball on CBS. Like, yeah, it's a big deal. It feels like a big deal, but it's really not. It's not. And we don't we don't need to be falling into that trap. You know what I mean? Let's take a break. We'll talk Packers and we'll speak with our friend Perry Goldstein. She's head TV, Game on Wisconsin, and Packer Report. Jeron Williams, Ted Thompson, and of course the upcoming NFC Championship game. That's coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Stay tuned. My name is Grant Bills. I am, uh, well, I'm your host. I'm in charge here. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant and text the show 608 796 2558. It's the talking text line. Our friend Big Joe chiming in as always, talking about, <laughs> talking about Cleveland. Yep. Uh, text coming in from our friend Jason. Coach, appreciate y'all reaching out and uh, listening. We just talked to, for a couple minutes about the Bucks. Just another reminder to not really get bent out of shape about any regular season games if you don't have to. Bucks got beat by the Nets on Monday, and then the Nets lost to the Cavs last night. Nobody talked about it. Why? Because unlike Monday, well, the game wasn't nationally televised. Nobody saw it. So it's not a huge deal. It's just interesting. And that's all it really is. We're going to talk about Tremont Williams, who the Packers added today. Somehow they finessed the rules and the system, and it worked out perfectly. So Tremont is is on the team. Next, however, one of our best guests, one of my favorite guests and favorite people, uh, that's Perry Goldstein, and I thought no better week to have her on because the Packers were playing for a Super Bowl, but also Ted Thompson passes away and Ron Williams comes in, so there's just a lot to talk about. Perry Goldstein joining us now on the Wisco Sports Show, Packs What She Said podcast, Pack a Day podcast with Andy Herman, uh, Game on Wisconsin. She's basically just doing everything Packers. Perry, Today is kind of weird because Ted Thompson passed away, so he was in the news. Tremont Williams is signing with the Packers, so it kind of feels like a little bit of a, a blast from, I don't know, 10 years ago. I wasn't expecting that today. It's been a little bit of an emotional roller coaster, I'd say. Yeah. You know, like a very low, low, but also if you're me and you love Tremont Williams, like a very high, high. Uh, so just taking it all in, especially before this weekend. Yeah, I mean, and it's the week of the NFC Championship game. Let's start with Ted Thompson, which when I woke up today, I, I wasn't expecting to talk about Ted Thompson tonight. Obviously, you saw the news earlier today. I think everybody on Twitter kind of was reacting and, and sharing stories and stuff. Like, what was your first uh, thought and, and what came to mind when you saw the news this morning? I mean, it's incredibly sad. For, yeah. uh, he, he was so young. I, I think that was the first thing that I thought. You know, my parents are in their 60s, so that, that definitely kind of hit a little harder. Um, but he he's a name and a figure that I think has been in Packer fans' lives for a very long time. He's been with the organization since, I think, the 90s. Um, and you can attribute pretty much all of the Packers' success over the last, like, 30 years to directly back to him um, in a way that makes you feel, like, very grateful for everything that he's done. So um, just sad, just a sad day. It, it it's, it's interesting timing to me before a big game like this, you know, what something like this does to a locker room and to a team, what that what that kind of, if it's momentum or energy or fuel for, yeah. for the Packers. It's easy to forget how many of the players that Ted drafted are still around. Like, we've become so um, kind of caught up in what Brian Gutekinds is doing with a couple of the free agents and some of his draft picks like Jair Alexander and Rashawn Gary, and it's really easy to forget. Of course, we don't forget Aaron Rodgers, but a lot of these other players, they're all pros. 
um, who are still around and, and certainly in the peak of, the, of their career, drafted by Ted Thompson. It really wasn't that long ago. Another Ted Thompson player, Tremont Williams, is back on the Packers kind of out of nowhere. And I, I still, I've kind of wrapped my mind around how this is possible. Like, he wasn't under contract after this year, so when they waived him, that gave him some flexibility to move around. Like, I, I just think it's awesome that he's back. Tremont Williams is one of my favorite Packers, and I think it is appropriate that he had such an amazing run in 2010 the last time they made a Super Bowl. I just like him around the team and in the locker room, assuming he doesn't have COVID, like, like Jared Valdir. Yeah. If he doesn't even play a snap, I'm happy with it. I think it's a, a leadership thing more than, like, we actually kind of need him on the field. I mean... You know, you look at some of the other depth guys, like I would put Tremont in there before a lot of them. So Mm -hmm. it's nice to have him there. But some of the players and a lot of the starters, Jair, even Chandon Sullivan, uh, Adrian, they all have attributed their growth to being around Tremont Williams in the locker room, whether it's just from a football IQ standpoint and, um, you know, that like actual play on the field to how to keep your body right and stay healthy. You know, he's 37, 38, somewhere around there. And he's still playing in the NFL at a position that's high impact. So the fact that he's still healthy, you know, they just, they attribute a lot of their knowledge and growth to him being around. So even from like that leadership sort of coach perspective, I've always had an inkling that Tremont may come back to the league as like a DB's coach when he retires. Um, And it it sounds like he has that sort of hybrid role uh, with the Packers. Tremont is such an interesting story too. And it makes sense that he is such a student and he's so smart because he didn't even start playing football until, and I don't know off the top of my head, but it was very, you know, late on and he was at Louisiana tech where he was doing other sports as well. So you know, yeah. he, he took a long time to develop, so it makes sense. And, and I think he does fit a good leader mold, even if he doesn't play. Obviously, he doesn't have to, you know, play right away, but maybe someone gets hurt. It's nice depth to have. And if he has to return a punt, there's probably worse people you could put back there, too. Perry Goldstein, she's had TV, Game on Wisconsin, Packer Report. About this week's game, well, actually, before we get to this week's game, one thing I want to bring up from last week, I'm starting to like this defense, and I have not liked this defense for most of the season, and... There was a moment in last week's game where I almost felt a little giddy. Like, I, And maybe you feel this way, too, because you do podcasts and, and you treat the game like a product and it's part of your, not necessarily work, but it, it's a product to you, like it is for me. So I don't always get feelings of, of fandom maybe like I used to or maybe like some other people do. I felt like a fan. There was a play in the first half where Zadarius Smith gets a sack on second down and then Christian Kirksey just popped Malcolm Brown. Uh, on third down and everybody was jacked up and in that moment I'm like okay yeah this this team could probably go on a run and and make a Super Bowl I remember that exact moment too um and being quite excited because my co-host Maggie Loney those are pretty much her two favorite players on the Packers so I was like she's happy right now uh yeah I think this defense is there there's something about their intensity um and aggressiveness that is you know, what you want in a playoff run, but I think more importantly, what you want when you're going up against a guy like Tom Brady. Um, I think Tom Brady brings a little bit of a fear factor and it's not just him, right? It's what happened in week six and that he has Gronk, you know, his, his Devonte Adams to Aaron Rodgers equivalent, if you will. Um, and there's nobody has been in more playoff games, more championship games, won more Super Bowls. Nobody has been in this exact position more than Tom Brady. And I think that can be intimidating, especially for some guys who have never been at this stage, right? And in your defense, that's not how you want to play. You don't want to play scared. You don't want to play intimidated. Um, And it can be easy potentially to do that when you're getting on the field against Tom, who can literally read any defense at any time. Um, So that 
play in particular and just the way that they're playing right now is the exact kind of mentality that you want to have going into this game. They know that they can win, um, and it doesn't matter who's on the opposite side. Yeah, I, I like being aggressive. I, I don't want this defense to play back on its heels because chances are you're, you're going to give up plays at some point, right? I would prefer to give up a play and then turn around and make a play rather than constantly sit back and, and just try not to lose rather than trying to go to win. So I, I like your comment about the aggressiveness. Let's talk about Tom Brady seeing you brought it up. Uh, Aaron Nagler, your friend at Cheesehead TV, went on the Pro Football Forecast, uh, Pro Football Focus Forecast podcast this week. And I had Eric on my show last week, and they were going back and forth, and Aaron cited his one concern was Tom Brady. In Obviously, we're all concerned about Tom Brady, but in a way that you didn't get a concern from Tannehill or Trubisky or Goff. These are quarterbacks that can't necessarily break down and dissect a defense at the line of scrimmage and do the tiny little things that can make a difference in a big game like this. What kind of challenges does Tom Brady present that maybe some of the previous quarterbacks haven't? I know the Packers defense has been playing well, but what do they have to count for this weekend that maybe they haven't in the last month? No one is smarter. I mean, maybe Aaron Rodgers, honestly, is like probably the only other quarterback in the league right now who can read the field the way that Tom Brady can. Uh, And Bruce Arians has said, too, you know, that part of this team runs through Brady. So you know that no matter what play is called, I I shouldn't say no matter. I don't know what the relationship is exactly like between Brady and Arians, but there is a level of. Tom Brady can probably check out whatever out of whatever play is called originally if he sees something different on the field. And that's the scariest thing to me is that no matter how well, you know, Petten schemes up this game or how prepared our players are, you have to go against Tom Brady's football IQ. Um, and, and that's unlike any other quarterback, especially some of the ones that we've played now. Do I think that the Packers can still do it and stop him? Yeah, of course. He's still a person, and he he's still mistake-prone, just yeah. like anybody. Uh, but I completely agree with Nagler that, that like I said, there's nobody who's been in this position more. This, this moment isn't too big for him. He's done this 14 times um, and won a ton <laughs> in this exact spot. Um, being away, I don't think, is going to intimidate him. The weather isn't going to intimidate him. He's, he played in New England, so it's, it's his mind. Yeah, I, I agree. Perry Goldstein, Cheesehead TV, Packer Report, Game on Wisconsin. Let's talk about the Packers offense a little bit, which is the given. Like, I, I, as Packer fans, I, I think it's an amazing feeling for the first time in a while to be able to expect about 30 points, right? And, and to just need the defense to get a couple of stops. A lot of the, the Packers discourse this season has focused on the secondary weapons, right? It's been about MVS and Lazard, especially because they chose not to draft one this spring. Like, that really compounded this conversation. And I don't think this game is about MVS, and I don't think it's about Lazard. And that's been the narrative for months. Like, everybody said, well, you're going to get into a game where Adams is covered and you need somebody else to do... I don't know if that's the case because I don't know if anybody's going to be able to cover Devontae Adams. Like, I'm to the point now where I'm so impressed by Adams and by Rodgers, who's going to win an MVP, that I I think the two of them, when they play well and step up, can win a game by themselves. And that's my expectation this weekend. Right, if it comes down to an MVS drop, that means Rodgers or Adams probably wasn't good enough. Like, well, what do you think about that take? And what do you think about, say, a 12-catch, 200-yard performance from Devontae Adams that puts him in the Super Bowl? I mean, a 12-catch, 200-yard performance would be phenomenal. Yeah. That, that, would, that would make everybody's day. No, I agree. I, I think at this point it's less about who is going to stop Devontae and more about prove to us that you even can. 
Um, because yeah. if, if Jalen Ramsey and the Rams defense can't do it and some of the other cornerbacks that they've gone up against this season can't do it, I mean, maybe, maybe a guy like Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean can. Uh, they, they certainly fared well in week six, but this is a very different team. And Aaron and Devontae are at a mind meld level of cohesion that I find to be fairly unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And so I imagine, yes, Matt LaFleur is going to say, no, we're going to run this offense the way we want to run this offense. I don't care who's on the other side. We're going to play our brand of football. And that means that our most often first read is going to be Aaron to Devante as it should be because it's worked the entire season and they win games uh, when it happens. So no, I agree with you. Well, with the bills too, like they're not trying to prove that they can win with Cole Beasley and John Brown and Jake Kumaro. They're like, well, no, we're going to throw to Stefan Diggs because he's really good. Like, I don't know if we should get bogged down in MVS and Lazard, who I'm sure will be open and have opportunities to make plays. But like, I don't think this game's going to come down to one drop from a, a second same- or a third wide receiver. Yeah, it's the same with the Chiefs and Travis Kelsey, right? Yeah. Like, everyone knows that Mahomes is going to go to Travis Kelsey. Everyone knows Rodgers is going to go to Devontae Adams. It doesn't matter how much you know what's if it's going to happen. It's can you stop it or not? And to me, Devontae is the at the pinnacle of what a right wide receiver should be. Mm-hmm. He can beat you at the line. He can beat you in the middle. He can beat you over the top. He's unstoppable in the red zone. He get the jump ball. Everything that he does is at an elite level. I, I, I just, and when you have Aaron being as accurate as he is right now, I, I just don't, I don't see how, what you can do, but to your point, right? When you have that, then defenses have to respect that. Mm-hmm. And then it leaves guys like MVS and Lazard and Tunyon and Aaron Jones open to hit those few plays to move the chains. I would just prefer to kind of to kind of close the book on this topic. Like I would just prefer to focus on the 90%, which is going to be Devontae Adams, rather than the 10% of like one six-yard out route that Lazard will catch. And I like Lazard and MVS, but I, I think maybe we're overblowing it a little bit. Perry, last thing, it's a concern that I have. Devin White and Levante David freak me out because I, I don't think even an offense like the Packers sees a linebacker core like this every day, right? Defenses build with edge rushers. They build with corners. You know, teams also try to get their hands on a defensive lineman like a Kenny Clark or an Aaron Donald. But, like, nobody's drafting inside linebackers, right? Like, nobody's looking for Brian Urlacher. Like, the, Niner, the Niners do. They have Fred Warner and Greenlaw's really good. But I, those two guys concern me. Like, can you talk me off that ledge a little bit? Yeah, this is your future of the league idea, isn't it? Inside linebackers are the future. Um, I mean, look, yes, I agree with you. Um, And I think that some of the Packers' offensive struggles this season have been against guys like that, like Eric Hendricks, or Mm -hmm. against the Panthers and a guy like Jeremy Chin. Like, we've seen the offense stall out when we play players like that. I just trust that Matt LaFleur has watched enough tape and is self-reflective enough, as he's shown that he is, to know how to work around that. Um, and to know that some of those sort of outside zo- outside zone or jet sweeps or end arounds against linebackers like this just aren't going to work. So, you know, punt, punt, run it up the gut, you know, get it downfield. Um, you know, don't try to go sideline to sideline against these guys. You're not going to win. Um, so I have I have trust in the head coach and a, the play caller that he is to just know to work around them. Cool. Well, I feel better because I'm a big fan of Matt LaFleur as well. So it didn't really take a whole lot. I just I needed to be <laughs> consoled a little bit. We can talk and preview the Super Bowl before too long. Thanks, Perry. You're welcome.
That's Perry Goldstein. You can find her on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein, P-E-R-R-I. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more Packers throughout the show. So don't worry, we're not done. Um, but I always appreciate Perry's input and her perspective and uh, getting her thoughts. And hopefully, like I said, the Packers advance to the Super Bowl and we have a chance to talk to her one more time this season. And certainly maybe we'll connect with her in the offseason too. But, you know, it's fun to talk about these games when they're going on, you know, in the heat of the season, you know, on a week-to-week basis. Let's take a break. I want to talk about Tremont Williams, who is back. What does that mean? Well, I'm not really sure, but I'm excited about it no matter what. Let's continue the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show, rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. I hope you're having a good night. I hope you're doing well. I said this earlier on in the show, I think, but I, I feel like this week finally has some momentum. Like, I can see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Bucks, Lakers tonight. The NFL's championship weekend coming up this Sunday. So it's it's going to be excellent. And not to... I'm never going to complain about sports. I'm never going to complain about having more sports to watch. But I am kind of excited that all the games are on Sunday this week and there's no game on Saturday because I like to do other things. I'm hoping to get outside and do some hiking, maybe do some ice fishing this weekend. Finally felt like we got on a good spot last weekend, so I'm kind of antsy to get back out there. And it's nice that I don't have to rush home to watch a game or, you know, watch football on my phone uh, in the ice shack like an absolute caveman. I just got a new phone, so I, I like the display. I like the screen and everything, but come on, that's no way to live. Watching football on your phone, that's no way to live. So I'm excited that we have a Friday uh, and a Saturday to just relax, and then we'll get our Sunday uh, football fix when the time comes. This has been a roller coaster of a day, which is a very fitting start uh, to this day and a very fitting start to 2021 because there's just been a lot packed into the last three weeks. Packers are playing for a Super Bowl. Ted Thompson passed away tragically last night, and now Tremont Williams is back. And we mentioned this briefly yesterday, and I almost forgot about it until the very end of the show. But they brought Tremont Williams in for a workout, and we talked about that a little bit yesterday. And I guess this works because Baltimore cut him. I'm not really sure why. And because Tremont Williams has no more time left on his deal, it's not like he has a year or two left on his contract, he's straight up free. And I guess because of that, the Packers can add him to their practice squad and then elevate him to the active roster if they so choose. Maybe, maybe, maybe Tremont Williams and his agent went to Baltimore and said, hey, look, I'm not coming back. This is the end of the road, the end of the deal for me. So just cut me loose and I can go maybe join the Packers, which I, you know, I was there for a long time and I can be part of uh, something else. And they must have humored him and cut him loose. And that's why he has the freedom to, to come play in Green Bay. The timing is appropriate because Tremont Williams is probably the best undrafted free agent find of Ted Thompson's career. Found an absolute gem who was their number one corner and a stud who made plays in that Super Bowl run in 2010. Just an amazing run. That pick six in the Atlanta game, uh, that interception in the Philly game as well. I don't think he had an interception in the Pittsburgh game, but he was good. He had, the, I mean, he had the game-winning stop on fourth down. He was in coverage when when that play was ran, and that was the end of the game. So he had just a tremendous run throughout the postseason. And I think this is a great signing, even if he doesn't play a snap for this team. Like, I know this is a rather obvious take. So I apologize. We get leadership in the building, right? No, I I agree. Even if he doesn't play a snap for this team, I think it's great to have him in the locker room, assuming he doesn't have COVID. 
right? Because think of all the veteran voices they had in 2010 on that team. Sure, they had Aaron Rodgers, who was young, but he you know, he's the quarterback who's always a leader. But they had Donald Driver and Charles Woodson and Ryan Grant, who had been around for four or five years by that point, and Mark Tauscher, who was on IR, right? It wasn't just Rodgers. They had multiple voices and multiple perspectives, and I think that's needed. I think you need multiple leaders in a locker room, and they have Mercedes Lewis and Aaron Rodgers and Mason Crosby as much of a a leader as a kicker can be. He's been there, done that before. I think it's good to have multiple voices. I don't want one leader. I want a couple on the team. And I, I think that's the way this locker room is shaping up, which is similar to 2010. And it's an MO that worked then, so why not try it again? These teams are built similarly. They're built through the draft and spending here and there in free agency as well. Let's just say, for example, in this game, the Packers fall behind 10-3. to 3. Or 14-3, to like they did against Detroit early in the year. Come to think of it, the Packers haven't played from behind this season a whole lot. right? They fell behind to Jacksonville and were able to come back. Detroit early on, but that really doesn't count. right? They fell behind Tampa, and that was really it. The Packers aren't necessarily built to play from behind, or at least that's not how they operate best. But what happens if they fall behind seven points? They fall behind nine points. A very reasonable amount. Well then wouldn't it be nice to have, say, an extra leader on the team to rally the troops, somebody else to help fire up the troops in the event that the Packers get unlucky to start the game and they fall down? Now, I like Aaron Rodgers as a leader, but he wasn't exactly tremendous when the team fell behind in deficits as a leader and a motivator last year, so why not have Mercedes Lewis? And now also you're bringing Tremont Williams into the fold. Guys who have been there, done that, and now it's not all on Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have to be the one voice, the one face that everybody looks to. Jair and Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, guys who haven't played in a Super Bowl before, they're looking to Rodgers because he's been there, done that. And it'd be nice to take a little bit of that pressure off Rodgers and bring Tremont Williams into the fold. So I think even if he doesn't play, although he's a, a wonderful insurance policy in case they lose a corner or maybe a punt returner, we'll see. Right, It's just good to have him in around the team. Let's take a break. I want to get back into the Packers, talk more about Ted Thompson, talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers as well with the NFC Championship game looming this upcoming Sunday. More of the Wisco Sports Show.